Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome. You found the next episode of Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host at Lawyer Liz and on Twitter. And while I am an attorney with the law firm of Halby Smith, Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz is not legal advice. Instead, it is a weekly look at all the technology buzz of autonomous vehicles, drones, the Internet of Things, and everything else in between. You're listening to us each Wednesday from 2 to 3 on America's Web Radio and catch us on podcasts. Well, welcome and what a doozy of a time it has been. If anyone remembers, and of course you do, the Back to the Future movies, I mean, they predicted the Cubs were going to win the World Series and there was going to be a little bit of political turmoil. And while politics and the election, we're going to leave that for other shows and catch up on what we've talked about with that with some of our prior podcasts from September and October. But instead, in looking at some of these movies, such as Back to the Future, such as if someone say The Simpsons, uh, I feel that we have been promised a lot of technology, a lot of fun gadgets and gizmos, and I want to know, where's my hoverboard that the... Uh, Technology that was presented as a hoverboard over the past couple of years, that's not a hoverboard. I want a bright pink and red and yellow board that I can use to glide all over the town square. And who better to discuss where we are with some of the technology and where we're going, what do we have, what don't we have, and do we even really want it? So with that, a serial entrepreneur, an angel investor, and someone who does not sit still very well, and if it tinkers, he wants to find out how and why, and current co-founder and CEO of the Intellection Group, Dave Bernard. So Dave, welcome. Thanks. I'm glad to be here, Elizabeth. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, indeed. And of course, a uh, Part of our homework in preparing for the show was thinking of some of the things that we're excited about seeing. So, obviously, even though balance and grace are not always my friends, I still want to play around on a hoverboard. What What is the top of your list of what we've been promised? Well, you know, I grew up in the era with the Jetsons, of course, so there mm-hmm. was all that... Uh, futuristic stuff flying through the air, dropping the kids off at school, uh, a robotic nanny and cook, um, and yes. all those kind of things. So, Someone to do the dishes for me. I like it. I think uh, some other movies that embo- embody some of this would be uh, Minority Report, which actually was intentionally designed as a futuristic look uh, at things that could happen. And he uh, actually the director there hired futurists. Mm-hmm. To describe what it would be like, and I think Total Recall, latest version of Total Recall, has a bunch of autonomous hovering cars as well. Uh, so there's some interesting things there. I think that um, in my in my world, I spend a lot of time talking about autonomous cars. So I really do think the idea of a kit car 
um, is definitely, you know, from Knight Rider, is definitely something that we're on the verge of. If, and actually, if you're a Tesla S owner, you already have that capability in your car in many ways. But it's not as cool as a muscle car. I mean, it, the Tesla the Tesla is sleek, but it doesn't have kind of the same zip as Kit. What would you see as the perfect Kit today? What I don't are we know. missing? You know, the Tesla is the fastest production car out there. Uh, you know, from a, a um, acceleration standpoint, and it's the safest car at the same time. It can do zero to sixty in two point six seconds. So without mentioning names, but certainly one of the former guests who was testing at least the fastest acceleration aspect of that, but some of the other guests who have Teslas, good news for y'all. Indeed, you have not reached the max speeds for your cars, and you have not fully tested the safety features. So (laughs) kudos. But so do you think is Kit, is a Tesla snazzy enough for Kit or? You know, there, there's going to, I think Tesla's, you know, step one of 10. You know, we're getting, they've made it popular, they've made it, they've gone straight to the high end. They've got the, the high net worth early adopters to buy into this thing. They're good looking cars. Um, and they're, the engineering is spectacular on these cars. Plus, I think one of the most important things about them is they're all software driven. So we are going into an era now where all these robotic things, drones and cars and and all these and, and robots in the home are all going to be software driven. That means you have a pretty stable hardware platform that can be updated constantly with new things. Well, and that brings in an interesting point with the updates and because Tesla has certainly taken the model that they're pushing out the updates. It's not it, taking the human element out. The the updates are coming and as we've talked about on the show a little bit before they come out in waves so that you have the first wave of the updates to a select number of the customers the users and then the second and of course i've quickly identified i want to be at the beginning of that second because if something's going to go wrong it's going to go wrong with the first wave of the updates but i don't want to be in that last wave the third or fourth (laughs) you because that's a sign that Tesla doesn't like you as much, that they are okay with you going a couple extra days. But how does that change things when you look at the issues with what happens if something with a software update, a glitch, be it it, the unintentional, just we were in a rush, shoddy coding, do we turn coding and software into its own autonomous, you know, AI it does it itself. Yeah, that's a good question. But I think that, you know, my – I think you can look at uh, – soft. and I've been a software developer almost 40 years. Um, the, the kind of the gold standard for software development in that kind of environment is a space shuttle development team. These guys write like six lines of code a day. It's really, really slow because they have such rigorous testing because so much is at stake. Um, in the case of a space shuttle, for example. Uh, and it's not just the cost of the hardware and everything, but it's the prestige to the nation and all those kind of things. I don't think we're, we don't have that, those kinds of things at stake in a Tesla. I think, or any other kind of autonomous maker, but I do think that convenience is going to trump everything. So if you make it too hard to get those updates out, people are either going to hack it themselves and mm-hmm. who they've been doing that for a long time, and people already hack their cars. Well, say, and the good news is the uh, DMCA exemptions uh, for 
year have gone into effect, the latest round, and included in those, the Library of Congress's list, were car hacking. <laughs> so it, do you think that's going to, now that under certain parameters, you aren't as, you aren't at risk for DMCA issues, Digital Millennium and Copyright Act, do you see that as a game changer, that we're going to see newer uh, faster, better development because you can you brought in the independent researcher or the non-company researcher adding to your product. I actually do. I think this is very much in line with the way software has been built for years now. Think about the open source movement where you've basically created APIs to things that other people can now add on to. And I think you're going to see that same kind of innovation push. And you already have seen some of this. There's already an aftermarket um, cottage industry for taking a, a non-autonomous car and turning it into a semi-autonomous or fully autonomous car. Some of these kits are as small as $1,000. Well, what's the difference between, because we're talking about autonomous vehicles almost as if their kit, which is a self-aware artificial intelligence, but that's not where we are yet. I mean, there's uh, five levels that have been categorized for, the, for as far as autonomous car yes. levels, yeah. So tell tell a little bit about that with, or share that with everyone. So level one through level five, this is the NHSTA has put these things together uh, to uh, determine the level of autonomy of a car. The funniest one is level three. And level three is where it's autonomous until something goes awry and then control is given back to the human driver who may be looking at their newspaper or reaching behind their seat for mm, something. Definitely not. Nope. Yeah, nope. that's uh, definitely it's, wasn't me. <laughs> it's uh, And, you know, Google and Ford actually came out saying, we ain't going to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. No, it's either all autonomous or all human driven. So, so it's kind of like the middle child uh, <laughs> that it is, you know, your father's son, as long as, you know, behaving or misbehaving, as soon as they start behaving, it's, mother's son right except we're talking about nanoseconds of reaction time that you need to put put into place uh which is not going to happen and then level four is basically what we what a tesla s is now it's capable of of in broad areas it's capable of doing autonomous driving level five is a completely autonomous vehicle in all circumstances so where you don't need the driver, a human driver at all, in any circumstance. So basically, we're, we are already building level four cars. Those are available. You've got people already taking their Teslas. And I use Tesla just as an example. There's others, but it's a good example. Um, they're taking their Teslas coast to coast and keeping their hands off the wheel 95% of the time. It can I can be neither done. confirm nor deny that <laughs> Atlanta to Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> but one of the things that kind of during the ro- the famous road trip to DerbyCon, uh, so shout out to DerbyCon, uh, Dave Kennedy, who's a former guest, and Rob uh, Graham and David Maynard for the road trip. But one of the things we noticed was, one, the trip would not have been possible without superchargers. Uh, the Tesla supercharging stations. We mapped out our route based on availability or access to the superchargers, where for an hour, hour and a half of time, we could go grab lunch. And when we came back, you know, like magic, it was the car was ready to go. 
Tesla's changing that up. They made an announcement this week on they're going to start limiting or charging fees for the new cars. How do you see that changing? Well, I think that, number one, what you're talking about is range anxiety. Oh, right? yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> they actually have a name for this. Um, I think that that's where there's going to be opportunity for entrepreneurs to get in and make some changes here. We're already seeing um, some interesting trends. In Japan, there's more charging stations than petrol stations uh, really? in the country. Yes. And in Manhattan, that's true as well. So I think what we're going to see is, and when I talk about autonomous cars in general, it's just part of an enormous ecosystem change. It's not just transportation. It's electricity. It's electric grid. These cars, if you're going to put a mobility network that's driverless out there, like an Uber without a driver, let's say, where you don't own the car, and GE has bought a million of these cars, stuck them on the road, and put them in an enormous kind of really granular subway system for you, then they have to be electric just because combustion engines are not used to that kind of duty cycle. And if you do that at scale, you need a way to store that stuff. That's why Tesla's working on their Powerwall batteries so much, because they believe that they can take over the grid. Well, and that may or may not be a good thing, but that brings up one of the other announcements with Uber. And they're looking at the flying cars. So you have Mm -hmm. to build the, the power, that kind of infrastructure, but the roadways and whether they can handle that. And then if we take them to the air, it's a whole nother. You don't have to worry about yes. the roads as much. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, um, in the Total Recall movie, those hovering cars, they must have been a maglev type of technology. But they required a lot of infrastructure. You actually had to have a maglev infrastructure. I think the beauty of what's going on with autonomous cars now is you can run them on existing infrastructure. So you don't need mm-hmm. anything special. Don't need any uh, other than special charging. Mm-hmm. Okay, but a lot of people are putting those in their homes, and they're still not as available as gas stations. But there's still enough where people are buying these things. So well, yeah, I, but I think that any kind of I think one of the limitations of a new technology getting broad use is how much infrastructure costs there's going to be. Well, I was going to say, costs are always the key, and so we're going to pick that back up after our commercial break. Stay tuned. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? 
We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back. You're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. And we're taking a break from the politics and baseball and other exciting stuff to chat with Dave Bernard on Where's My Hoverboard? The tech gadgets and gizmos we've been promised but not delivered. Or in some cases, perhaps we already have them. They just don't look like what we think. But before the break, Dave and I were discussing with autonomous vehicles, kind of pulling from that Jetsons, Total Recall, and some of the other movies where the vehicles either are driving themselves completely kit from Knight Rider, but also taking to the air. And that brings a whole new infrastructure Or perhaps it makes it easier. I mean, is that where you see it going, Dave, before we go fully autonomous AI self-aware on the roads? Yeah, I think, um, you know, actually I think the problem with that is actually a last-mile problem. That um, if you think about just physically getting into a, a small aircraft of some kind, let's say a drone that can carry a human, in your driveway, and just avoiding all the telephone lines and buildings in your area... You know, and the fact that tra- air traffic control with well-established airports and plane patterns is difficult enough. I think that what you're going to end up with, I think where it could work is maybe as a replacement for uh, short-haul, um, medium-haul distances, like a, what a train ride might be. If you're going from Rutgers into the city, for example, that might be a, a better way to do that would be flying in. But then you'd have to actually take a subway or or something like that, to your final destination a few blocks away. That sort of thing. So the last mile is going to be the difficult part, the point to point. Well, and, but the Jetsons did show a little bit of chaos <laughs> in their air traffic control. But when you talk about that uh, kind of the last mile and getting around, I mean, the state of Georgia is looking at and taking the next step and getting the high-speed rail mm-hmm. that would perhaps connect Chattanooga to Atlanta, do you continue? And I mean, I forgot the price tag, but it was in the billions. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not so sure that's going to be a good investment. Any, you know, I've I've actually been a big proponent of MARTA here in Atlanta, and um, you know, I live outside the MARTA limits. You and live I would, outside the OTP. Oh yes, I'm OTP. Sorry about wow, that. Wow, did you have to bring your passport with you? And actually, I'm I mean, still OTP. Right exactly, here. the studio <laughs> is, but I mean. It, it does. I mean, I I, was I know I do have stopped. to carry my passport. You know, I, I might have to carry a wig too to, if I actually went ITP. Oh, uh, you know, yes, yes. But you know, it's, they've talked about extending Marta up past uh, Alpharetta to Windward and places like that, and it is billions of dollars. And 
my, I've really kind of changed my mind on that now because I think that we're going to we I think we are going to end up with an, a driverless Uber system uh, or multiples of those out there. It makes so much economic sense from the standpoint of an individual not having to own their car and pay insurance, pay the capital expense just to acquire the car and all the maintenance and things like that, and it's safer. When you brought up before kind of what all goes into that and that I'm not using the car then, where does it park? Ah, see, that's a good, that's a very good question. I think that for the most part, they don't. They park rarely. And so it's, that's a, I think that's one of the most fascinating questions. Just the effect on real estate alone out of this equation, if you were to put together a critical mass, a mass transit system that looked like a driverless Uber, you would free up um, probably, I think some of the studies I've seen, a half a billion parking spaces in the U.S. And the equivalent of enormous amounts of real estate and realizing that a lot of that parking is in very prime real estate areas in downtown and stuff like that that's no longer there. The other effect, the other antidote I heard was a, a fellow who did a, a study on the New Jersey rail system. Mm-hmm. And he, his study predicted that if you were able to be dropped off at the rail station rather than having to park there, that ridership would go up about 30% because that's what keeps people from getting on that train, the difficulty of finding parking at the rail station. If you solve that, all of a sudden other things open up, for example. So I think that – I don't think there's an – it's a zero-sum game. I think it's going to be a multimodal solution, and, and these autonomous vehicles are just part of it. That it's going to – and pl- and the other thing that – these autonomous vehicles have to exist well with non-autonomous vehicles because, again, not zero-sum. So they're going to be a mixture of these cars on the road. That's why I like the way that it's going now, where they are really autonomous in the way that they are responsible for their own activity, and they can sense their environment so that they can detect non-autonomous cars and autonomous cars and be able to react appropriately to that. I think you're going to have the same thing with a flying car. It's going to Mm -hmm. have to work in that way where it'll have to work, it's going to have to avoid birds, it's going to have to avoid somebody throwing a rock at it, you know. Or the other drones in the area. (laughs) Or other drones, exactly. So I think that we're heading in the right direction with uh, machine learning techniques and software update techniques where these things are going to become very smart. They're going to be based on hundreds of millions of miles of experience. Tesla's already up to 100 million miles of experience right now is what they've recorded from their drivers. And that's a fairly small population of drivers. I'll say, and that doesn't even get into, as you pointed out, Volvo, Ford, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Mercedes, because I see that also playing into the logistics and the transportation oh, absolutely. of goods. But By the way, Uber bought a, an autonomous freight company called Auto not very long ago. No, it, it's, I think we can say autonomous, you know, the Jetsons, that aspect of it, it's close, it's coming, and it may or may not look like what we think it is. Right, I think I think you're right. I mean, autonomy is going to apply to all these devices. A robot that does your housework is an autonomous thing. A drone that flies around delivering packages is an autonomous thing. A car is. So that concept of autonomy and machine learning to sense its environment and react intelligently to it is a generalized thing that's going to happen. It's just going to be very expensive. Yeah. It, it Scale is going to help with that. But, you know, I'll tell you this. The, other, the main rule of thumb I use when looking at this stuff is that convenience trumps everything. 
Okay, let me repeat that. Convenience trumps everything. Convenience trumps safety. Otherwise, we wouldn't get in cars right now. Yeah. Right? Because they're much more dangerous than guns and planes and things like that. Horse-drawn carriages. (laughs) Yes. So I think convenience, and we look at what we pay for a bottle of water, which is about 2,000 times what it costs to get it out of the tap. So there's, but it tastes better from the bottle. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> yeah, so well, and that also brings up the privacy and stuff. I mean, I am more willing to use software apps or devices that I know are, as we've talked about on the show as well, in the Internet of Things. That I know that this device is broadcasting my location it's broadcasting my likes and dislikes and everything but at the same time you know for ways i like having that immediate traffic rerouting so, so i don't have to rely on well which back roads okay what is this back road like this time of day or all those so convenience things. trumps privacy it did it does <laughs> and it also at times uh, even though I have followed ways down some routes going, I knew this was not a good route. Oh, ways you led me astray. But it was just so much easier to listen to those directions and not question it. So if that, you know, the transportation bit is a little bit, you know, those are coming. And the hoverboard, I thought, how are those going to work, do you think? And Actually, you think, there is an example of one. Um, and I'd seen this earlier this year, and when we were talking before the show, I actually did a little research and dug it up. If you Google um, hoverboard Canadian inventor, you'll find him real easily. And he actually took, I, I don't remember if it was four or six drones, but mm-hmm. built a platform on top of them. And he can stand on that platform, and it will carry him places. Well, and he does it over go. a lake, actually. Uh, yes. There's some good YouTube the, video on that. I'll say, for given the testing and margin of error, if you get it wrong, it's much easier to yes, fall. Yes, that's probably it. Yeah, it's a soft landing. But I think that, <laughs> you know, I do. that's what I like about a lot of these platform technologies. I think a drone is a platform technology. So you, what are you going to do with it? You could weaponize it, you know, and there's already mm-hmm. rules I'm sure you're aware of. Uh, against, you know, letting that happen. You can deliver packages with it. You can deliver notes. You can do surveillance. So there's all kinds of things. So it's a platform that people will figure out all kinds of uses for, similar to an autonomous vehicle. You know, you can do similar things with it. So turn it into mass transit. Turn it into, uh, you know, taking your kids to soccer practice without you having to deal with it. You know, uh, all that kind of stuff. To avoid traffic or not just be like, look, just take the autonomous car. Ugh, can't deal with it. I've yeah, but I, this see, is I the, see some potential. It really is the reason that Facebook and um, and Google and these companies are involved in autonomous vehicle technologies is because it's not – the auto companies and the regulatory agencies see it as a safety feature, and it is. It's a tremendous potential safety feature. But the other, country, the other companies see it as freeing up of eyeballs. And there's been some calculations on this. I did my own back-of-the-envelope calculations and came up with – about six billion um, hours per year of eyeball freeing up in the U.S. Six the billion eyeball up, hours. Well, it, that could be a good thing or bad thing. I've seen uh, stories coming out on how drones and advertising, and I have to admit the convenience again factor of Netflix and Hulu and even Apple TV, iTunes, Delhi to be able to skip or minimize the direct. 
commercials that, you know, if I'm enjoying the story, I'd like to continue watching the story. I don't want it to be interrupted by yeah. it marketing. And sometimes the marketing gets it completely wrong. I'm still trying to figure out on some of the shows going, what marketer <laughs> pollsters told you this was your audience and that was your audience? I think that's still nascent, but it's definitely going in that way where they want to hyper-personalize your experience. And actually, and I, I've given talks before on the death of privacy and how you're going to want it um, because it's going to deliver so much time and money to you if you think about the kind of conveniences that a machine that knows everything about you can deliver to you. You but actually become... It? But I, I'd like to think I was such more complicated <laughs> flower snowflake than, <laughs> you know, what it is, but... But if you look at Uber and um, Airbnb and some of these other companies that are working at scale now, they know already that humans are not random. Their behavior is not random. It's, it can become very predictable. And so you can put cars out on the streets in certain patterns and be, and you can guarantee two-minute uh, arrival times because you know what the behaviors are at a macro level in this area at least. That's just going to get better over time with more data. Well, in data, data, data. We'll get back to that right after the commercial break. You're listening to Buzz Off with all your lives. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio, coming to you live each Wednesday from 2 to 3 Eastern, podcast for download and subscription on iTunes and all the other uh, podcast streaming services, Lawyer Liz, at Lawyer Liz on Twitter. With all that out of the way, we're talking today with Dave Bernard on the gadgets and gizmos we've been promised from TV, movies, even video games. And we've established that the consensus in in the studio is that, all right, the Jetsons, 
still not quite there, but perhaps total recalls prediction of the autonomous taxi cab uh, picking you up and stuff like that. That's that's coming, if not already here. That whether it's going to be ground or air, that's still to be determined. But a lot of these technologies are banking on and developing on our willingness to give up privacy for convenience. And I'll admit, as I have, I fall victim to that too. I mean, it's it's so much easier. But at the same time, how do we keep from becoming a little too Fahrenheit 451 where you walk in and the TV greets you and talks to you as if you're part of the show? I mean, (laughs) while I wouldn't mind being the heroine in lots of action-adventure I don't know that I'm ready to have that part of it. Some some of it's a little bit of escape. So I mean, I think it's not for it's not going to be for everyone at at every time. I mean, I think you'll be able to opt out some of those features and stuff like that. Uh, but I do think that if you find yourself saving time, you know that you're gonna you will gravitate toward it. It will become automatic because you'll find yourself freed up to do other things. Well. So among those other things, we're talking about saving time. If we're to follow Star Trek, uh, they told me that I could just stand on a platform and poof, I would uh, be transported somewhere else. And uh, other shows, uh, was it Dark Matter and a couple of the other, you just have similar, you just do this, you can instantly be somewhere else. That would be the ultimate time saver. (laughs) It would be. But... How would that one work? That one's quite interesting. I think there, there's definitely people working on it. Um, there is actually a term called quantum transportation that's out there, and you can you can. And I'm I'm an amateur physicist, not a <laughs> professional physicist, but um, it actually is all based on experiments that have been done since the 30s uh, in quantum entanglement. And actually, Einstein knew about this, and he didn't believe it. He called it spooky action at a distance. Um, where you could actually take two, two particles, maybe they're electrons, and you could give them a spin and shoot them off away from each other at the speed of light. So that means they're, they're, they're going away from each other faster than the speed of light. And you could change the spin on one of them, and it instantaneously changed the spin on the other one. So you, there was a communication going on that was superluminal. It was faster than light. So since then, they've been, they've been able to replicate that in the lab. It's, it's actually, I, I wouldn't say it's common, but it's been done several times. So you can look up quantum entanglement and quantum tra- teleportation if you want to find out more. But I actually think the way the quantum te- teleportation is working is you're making two copies. So you're making a copy of what you are now, and you're sending a bunch of electrons over on, on the other side or molecules, whatever you want to call them. Right now it can be done at the atomic level, but not at the molecular level from what I've read yet. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so what you do is you send all these over in a cloud, and then you communicate that superluminal communication by s- changing the attributes of the ones on your side, and then they become, on the other side, what you are. Now you got just now you got two copies of you in two Which, places. Which, I don't know if the world is ready for right. two copies of some of there us. There should be an automatic delete button here when this <laughs> one's done. You know, actually, you may have to verify it. You know, you, <laughs> you know, you do a validation on the data transfer there. Uh, I think we're a long, long way from that. I think that. I mean, that just sounds painful. Uh, yeah, I. 
It, and it may be it may be an intermediate step. It may be it actually makes a copy of you right here and then copies that across space or time. So you're telling me there would be three or four? Yeah, imagine that. I I think it's a fantastic <laughs> world, but... Uh, I think my wife would be very excited about that. You know, at the same time, I always joke, if only I had more time <laughs> or if there were more of me, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but... I think that, you know... If you look at the actual physics of it and making it happen, it's it's a lot like being living in the year 1900 and looking up at the moon and say, how do I get there? And yet, 69 years from now, we will do that. So there's it's, it's not evident how it's going to happen, but... And we may not have the computing power to do it now as far along as we think we are. But then again, we got to the moon, uh, what was it, the computing power... On 360 technology is what always yeah. gets me. I mean, it's just as primitive as... The code as was written. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you weren't programming no, as you do today. And, the, you know, the older I get, the more amazed I am that they pulled that off. Um, so I think that... Actually, I think, you know, using that analogy... What's going on in all this autonomous robotics area is akin to what went on in the NASA space program. You're going to get so many um, downstream effects that are unintended. Like I mentioned before, you're going to get electric grid um, disruption like crazy. If you get batteries put out there on scale that are tied to renewable energy sources, you don't need the grid. You know, and, t- and actually, Elon Musk has exact numbers about how many of these power walls he needs to put out there to do that. He knows he needs about 10,000 of them in Boulder, Colorado, to take the whole city off the grid, and this many for the country and this many for the world. He knows how many there are, and that's only going to get better. So I think, you know, if you're talking about almost limitless energy that can be stored, too, because it's all renewable. It's not Mm -hmm. coming out of the ground. It doesn't need to be processed. So there's some interesting aspects to this. Machine learning is another big area here. Again, a platform technology that can be applied to all kinds of problems. So you're talking about solving cancer. You're talking about solving, who knows, uh, faster than lights, you know, space travel. These are the kind of things that machine learning might be able to solve coming down the road. They can certainly solve getting a car without a driver from point A to point B. That's getting very close to reality right now. So, And then you have to look, too, at some of the, you know, as we joke about at times and the connectivity of the Internet of Things, uh, you see some science and some technology getting used in very ridiculous ways <laughs> that I often wonder if the inventors are just either smacking their forehead or rolling over in graves going, that is not what I spent hours <laughs> doing. You know, stop, you ridiculous thing. Yes, yeah, the law of unintended consequences. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, what we're doing now is we're broadening our toolbox enormously. You for know, better or worse. Yeah, a lot more things we can put together to make new things with. And that's why it's really hard to say how some of these things are going to manifest themselves. It may be 40 different ways. I think we're going to have 40 different ways of moving people around autonomously. They're going to figure out, the entrepreneurs are going to jump in and say, that's a tool I know I can do some things with and make some money at. Well, and that's going to be, to me, the key is as long as you keep it so that it's, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit gets built in, or cultivated to say, look, if you have an idea, do it. It will move you forward. It will, you can benefit economically from it. Motivate them. That it, develop, create, build. 
but also kind of getting out of the way. I mean, I think the DMCA exemptions, you know, getting the regulatory hurdles minimized while yeah. still keeping an eye on safety. I mean, you don't want completely recklessness or at the same time, if someone's willing to do it, I mean, when you send folks to Mars for the first time, I mean, they're trying to figure out that. I mean, <laughs> how do you get – and there are people willing to be the guinea pig. Right. Of, I'm okay with that. That's right. And you're seeing that like with SpaceX and Blue Origins now. They're blowing up rockets, but they're keeping it, – it's a very entrepreneurial you know, approach to space travel, commercializing space travel, because there's a big pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. The other thing I'm encouraged by is the, uh, like I said at the top of the show, the entrance of a software development mentality in all these things. And with that comes the idea of open source. The software developers often share their work with each other. A lot of it's a sense of pride. It's a craftsman world and a craftsman mentality. It's not engineering. So the way you can build, the way you would build software for a particular application, the way I would, could be completely different and both valid. So it's almost like a furniture maker. You can tell their mark, but they both create highly functional, beautiful pieces of furniture. So you take that and apply it to some of these kinds of new things like a robot in the home or autonomous car and things like that, you're bringing that sensibility of sharing and open sourceness and crowdsourcing and all those kinds of things into the thinking process. So even now, all the big machine learning companies like Google and even Amazon, Microsoft, IBM have put their machine learning platforms in the in the open domain, in the public domain. In the cloud. And you, you can pull them down for free. So what they want to do is kind of Johnny, Johnny Appleseed. We're going to throw the seeds out there, and we're going to see what people do with them. And we'll acquire the ones that look interesting after they've developed something. So it's actually very self-serving to do that. Well, of course. I mean, but, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their own heart necessarily. Purely. There yes. may be some financial incentive. And we've seen this before with big patent portfolios. Boeing's done this, IBM's done this, where they'll put large numbers of patents in the public domain and just see what people do with them because there's no way that they can actually do everything possible with each of their patents that they have. They have so many. So you have this sort of mentality of a little more collaborative, you know, uh, all we all kind of float together here, uh, yet we're all going to make money together because the market is so enormous. Uh, and the opportunities are so big. So I, I kind of like tide. that. The rising tide. Yeah, yes, it's going to lift. A, it really is. Well, and so what are some of the time-saving things? So, so we're going to be focused on building, creating. We don't want to sort our socks <laughs> and laundry or do the dishes. Uh, did the Jetsons get it right? Do they get it wrong? Where's my Rosie? Well, you know um, – there's a lot of work being done. There's a company called Boston Dynamics, I believe, that is owned by Google right now. You've probably seen Google their... Google owns everything. Well, I think they're actually trying to sell them off oh, at the okay. moment. But Boston Dynamics is, is actually a company to look up. Um, they've built these two-legged and four-legged robots that can walk on their own from point A to point B in any kind of terrain. In fact, what you what they often have the video showing is somebody like poking it or pushing it as hard as they can, and it can it can stop itself and and keep itself from falling over and things like that. And they've they've taught it how to clean with mops and things like that. So a lot of the basic science of making you know a a robot that can actually perform these kinds of activities is already pretty much there. 
So, excellent. I can't wait to find that. And (laughs) as we go into our last commercial break, want to figure out, though, but what happens when the robot throws the ball back at me and hits me in the head? (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. But you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, chatting with Dave Bernard. And as we were talking before the break, overall the show is focused on the gadgets and gizmos we've been promised. But I've seen, Dave, the the videos of, I think, the GIF or meme on uh, Twitter was themed, uh, and so it begins. But as, you know, if someone's playing catch with the robot, they turn around, and it looks like the robot hauled out in dodgeball, you know, hit him on the head. How do I know that's not going to happen to me? Like, And was it... Uh, Ex machina or ex machina. Yeah. I mean, I create something that locks me in the house <laughs> or kills me. Kind of like iRobot, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so many movies have dealt with this, uh, you know, because it is a, it makes for a, a good tense situation. I think accidents are going to happen. People are going to die. So even on autonomous cars, we've already had at least one death in a Tesla. Um, I think that. I think, again, you can't look at those as isolated incidents. They're part of a mass of incidents that need to be integrated into the software. So in the case of autonomous cars, we're trying to save about 38,000 lives in the U.S. a year. That's really kind of the target. And we can drive that down to near zero if we had a critical mass of these cars on the road. So it's kind of like airbags when they came out. They did kill people, but they saved a lot more. So that's kind of the autonomous car well, but I've seen argument. Terminator. 
<laughs> right, I mean, Terminator. I've seen the whole series. The machines are going to get us. Yeah, so there. I mean, I do think that there is some reason to spend a lot of time thinking about what is consciousness and what is self awareness and things like that. And I, you know, we're we're fast getting into an era where we can handle very large amounts of information and hand over decision making to a machine. And we want to do that because it's a labor-saving device. It gets us quicker. Everything's about doing things faster. Amazon wants to deliver packages faster than they ever did before. So they're willing to hand over more decision-making. So where do we stop that? And then how do we have fail-safes built in to win? We don't let this arm, you know, whip throwing the ball fast in a certain degrees per second for example and we have some Mm -hmm. kind of governor on it Mm -hmm. so you know they're gonna have to think through a lot of those things so we what you're saying is when we build the death star we need to make sure we leave (laughs) that one tiny uh, exposed (laughs) place where if only you know luke and the other pilots can hit that sweet spot so we're saying we need to build those in yeah i think so i mean it to me it's part of it's almost the same as building insecurity so you can build – because if somebody wanted to do something malicious, hack a robot and have it throw a missile instead of a ball, let's say, <laughs> right? So you're going to – you can have things in there maybe sensing what you're holding and not you – you, you're not allowed to throw anything metallic, you know, for example. Mm-hmm. Or, or I can only throw it at a certain velocity, those kind of things. You can put those kind of, you know, limits and restrictions into the hardware as you go. And to me, that's a security device. That goes along with building security in. But is it sort of like two-factor uh, authentication where that do we rely solely on it? It seems like we would build that plus something, yeah. plus something. Have I, a lot of fail-safes. I do think it's multi-factor. Like anything else, I think these problems are so complex they require a multidisciplinary approach. So you've got – on any um, – most of these robots and cars, they have multiple sensors on them. So they don't rely on just LiDAR or just video. They might – they're going to rely on both and mix those signals up to get a very accurate picture of what's going on around them, for example. But that's expensive. Well, but at scale, those things become down much cheaper. So LiDAR started out, when Google was first putting it on their cars, at $15,000 a pop. It's below $1,000 now, and it's headed to like $200, $150 a pop. Plus, the technology itself has gotten better. It's no longer having any moving parts, where it used to have a lot of moving parts. For example. Well, and is that something with where we've seen kind of on the device, IoT, medical device, and some of the others, it, development and the security side, it, companies aren't intrinsically doing it on their own. But there's that thing. Is that an appropriate place for government to step in, or is that complicated? How do you strike the right balance for that? Yeah, I think, I think the balance is the right word. I think um, – I think what the national, uh, the Department of Transportation is doing with autonomous cars now is a very good um, example. And they are, I don't think there's a final rule out just yet. They've put out a series of guidelines right now. And they're basically considering the software as the driver when it's an autonomous vehicle. So, and that, what that allows is all the regulations that are written now that are written for a driver being responsible, those regulations can still live. Because now the software is responsible and is a driver. So now, it's, in essence, means the manufacturer is well, responsible, right? And that's taking – that means that those crafting the rules uh, are kind of having that 
multi-stakeholder, basically that they yes. understand the technology enough to know what they don't know, but know where these are universal ter- terms or uh, provisions that could apply across multi-platforms. Right. So you have, basically, in the automobile industry, you already have a scaffold for this kind of thing. So they already crash test cars, right? So they have a series of all these kind of safety crash tests that they go through. Well, you can think that we'll build probably the, and what I've seen out of the uh, Department of Transportation is basically the software equivalent of that. We run your your software program through our test harness and make sure it can handle all these situations. So you simulate a bunch of simu- situations. And really, this is what Google and Tesla are already doing to improve their software. They they use all this driver data to simulate situations and run it through every day to see if it works better. But when you're running the you know running the simulations and everything, I mean, I can't help but think both of war games. Where ultimately running the simulations helped the computer to understand that there is no positive outcome. But then I think of fantasy football and betting where if you just get the Madden uh, games and you run the teams (laughs) against each other enough, you should be able to predict that. But that's not always the case. No, and I think – I do think that – I think in the case of war games, it was a zero – some effect. It decided there was no good outcome. Actually, there always is a hierarchy of outcomes. You know, there's always going to be one that's better than the next one, that's better than the next one. Depends on how you measure it. You may not agree with the measuring stick it uses, but it can disambiguate the different ones and say this one's better than that. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the whole lifeboat problem out there now, ethical decisions made by the machine. Does it, does it hit, does it, does it save your life? And hit the old man crossing the crosswalk, or do you go ahead and, or do you swerve away and sacrifice yourself for this old man? There's a, it's a, there's a variation. Oh, absolutely. On those kind of things. Well, do you eat the donut that's sitting in front of you, knowing that it will go straight to your hips, or <laughs> do you, you know, eat, go for the healthy option that tastes like you're eating tree bark? I, I understand What's that. What's interesting is the human pattern is always self-preservation. So in all the I surveys, no, I tend to it, go with the donut. This is why Dame, you know, Mercedes announced very recently that their software would would go to protect the driver first. It would make that decision, and it's based on a lot of studies, human studies, psychology studies, and they're Mercedes fascinating. Mercedes has just bumped up. They've done that on my list. They made cars. that. <laughs> they made that announcement, and actually, Volvo has made an announcement that implies that. And their announcement is that no one will no one will die in a Volvo after the year 2020. Okay, which is a very bold statement. It is, but they've been at the forefront of autonomous vehicles. But how are they predicting that there is the meteor may not have saved the presidential elections as some bumper stickers? <laughs> but how can they predict the meteor is not going to crash down on the Volvo? It's I mean it's actuarial. You know, think about it. The odds. Indeed. The (laughs) odds are, you know, lightning striking twice. But so there's. So I think a lot of of it, I think my point is that it's still going to be, there will still be dangers. And this is not eliminating all dangers and all those kind of things. But it's greatly, greatly reducing it. I mean, you know, in the 90th percentile uh, range is what we're looking at. Well, and so. You. 
safety, certainly. The software development, of course, that's one of the sweet spots that you've you know, developed over the years and doing that. But you, what what is one gap? So you know, transportation, we know it's there, the software the development. But when I think of like the shoe phone, I don't know that we need it anymore. I don't know that Get Smart. I, I think In, we have it. It just doesn't look like it doesn't fit. It's funny on because our shoe. I think smartphones have actually only been with us less than ten years, or about ten years, I would say. Oh, watch any movie from you know, and they got flip phones, flip phones, it, and all flip that. Flip phones too. I mean, <laughs> even some of them before that were great movies, and whether they hold up or not, yeah. like, well, just pull out your cell phone, call someone. Oh, that's right. That doesn't play into your story. Yeah, so you could even say now, if you're wearing a wireless headset in your ear or something like that, your phone's in your pocket, you've almost got basically something better than a shoe exactly. phone, right? We kind of skipped over it. Can, but what I, I would say this, um, I actually have a patent portfolio in talking to mobile devices and having it understand your intent and answering your questions and things like that. Wait, but, do we blame you for Siri not understanding? Uh, no, no, no. The mechanics of actually understanding <laughs> is, a, is somebody else's problem. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Because uh, trying to use one of the voice-activated remotes, I don't know what shows it thought I was saying, but no, not going to happen. I think that what you are running into, what's a really interesting thing to think about is um, these ideas of the Amazon Echo and the Alexa devices that sit on your table always listening. Oh, um, yes. And I think that you could be entering into an era where the cell, the actual the smartphone goes away. Well, and so we have in the last minute of the show, Dave, you have, and I was trying to really give everyone the broad brush of all the different things that you are working on, hats you're wearing. What's your favorite project or idea or gadget that either you're working on or you've seen that you're excited about? Well, I I do think um, I do think the the whole idea of disrupting the electric grid is so incredibly powerful. Simply because disrupting the automobile and mobility industry nation worldwide is eight trillion dollar industry, but the electric grid is much bigger. And the idea that we could have unlimited electricity and no no emissions is very appealing to me. <laughs> but, you know, and some of the science fiction movies make me think unlimited power is not always a good thing. But thank you for joining us. Thank you to America's Web Radio. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to Hobo Smith. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. You've been listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.